Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little you station break. Hope you're enjoying the show You've so far. We'll resume here in a second. Podcast, uh, I'd hottest, like to invite you to come to my world. coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast so over there at Institute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements if you'd like to hire me, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, Podcasting, corporate stuff, uh, with over 35 brain. years of experience now, here's your in business host, and running companies as CEO. Be sure to check out ChrisFossLeadershipInstitute.com. Now back to the show. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Thanks one and all. Thanks one and all. Uh, we've got an amazing guest on the show today and uh, close to my own heart for what I was doing in the 90s. Uh, and we'll be talking about his amazing new book, The Story of His Life, et cetera, et cetera, and all that good stuff. But in the meantime, as always, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. And we're trying to be cool on TikTok, but it's not working. I just realized as I was sitting here behind the screen listening to the intro of the Chris Foss show that it would have been even funnier if somehow we come up with some sort of merging of the original Doom game soundtrack and the Chris Foss show announcer uh, putting off his uh, usual tribe. Uh, but uh, no, it's too late for that. We have John Romero on the show with us today. He is uh, the author of his newest book that's out July 18th, 2023. Doom Guy, Life in First Person. He joins us on the show, and you may have heard of him, and if you haven't, most likely, especially if you're as old as I am, you've been playing some of his games and some of his uh, games that were influenced by him as well. Uh, John is the computer and video game legend who's designed and published more than 130 games since his first sale at age 16. A teenage programming prodigy, his major accomplishments or achievements included co-inventing a series of revolutionary computer games doom the doom doom i mean it's not called the doom but it's it's doom it's the doom but really technically i guess it's i mean there's only one right uh well there's actually a few iterations i think after that but there's doom and i just boom so there should somebody there should be like a whole thing that just drops like boom doom uh quake wolfenstein 3d and commander keen that launched the industry's most popular genre the first person shooter welcome to the show john how are you Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, give us any dot coms or wherever you want people to find out more about you on the interwebs. Uh, Romero.com is a great place. And uh, our company is RomeroGames.com. There you go. So, in, John, in the 90s, I spent way too much time playing Doom. I was addicted. I was so addicted, I would play it for six, eight hours, maybe 12 hours a day, and I would be pumping so much uh, uh, fight-or-flight chemicals into my stomach that I would get sick and nauseous, and I would have to stop playing for a while, which I really hated. But I, I, am, uh, I am one of your addicted children, whatever you want to call it, to the game. And, uh, you know, since then, first-person shooters, you've had me addicted to everything that there is that's fallen since. But right now, it's uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. But welcome to the show, I, and it's a, it's an honor to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to talk about the book. Yeah, damn you, damn you. You know how many hours I wasted <laughs> on that game? I didn't waste any hours <laughs> in that game. 
a time there were no wasted hours yeah what what is that old thing about fishing a man's time spending something he loves is not wasted uh so uh tell us why did you decide to write this book i guess um it was interesting the um the beginning like the idea was came from a conference that i went to um a conference wanted like i do a lot of speaking at conferences this one conference told me that they've already they've heard me talk about my games already and what they wanted was my life what like what did i do before the games like what where did i come from like where did i learn how to do this and uh, and so i did i wrote this talk and people were really surprised at the talk because i talked about my life before uh, getting into games which was in a really poor area of tucson arizona and my family you know w w was involved in drugs and alcohol and and some deaths and and it was just like people went whoa and they said this really should be in a book like you should write this down and when i thought about it eventually it sounded like a good idea because i'm a game historian and i believe that game history is important to get the the times the dates who the credits all that stuff um down you know in some in, in some kind of format where people could use it for research and i'm a i'm a game historian so i've really researched a lot of like a lot of game history and I thought, you know, this this could be like a story of my life and my games, but also a game history book for people that want us like know when did when did you start working on Doom exactly, and when did you, you know, finish working on the editor, and when did you ship the game, and all these details. And so I can put all of that stuff in this book for every game I've made. And uh, yeah, it, it turned out like that was that was good. It was a good idea. Yeah, I remember my biggest nemesis was getting into the third room on Doom because that dude would be on the ledge and he'd just throw shit at you. And I had yep. the hardest time clearing <laughs> that room and making that thing. But I, you know, I don't know what, what I can say about that. So uh, you go through and tell the story of your history and uh, what got you into uh, Doom uh, and, and kind of some of the influences. Give us kind of a 30 foot overview of some of the things or teasers might, people might find in there. Well, the early, the early early stages of my life, which started in Tucson, Arizona, and eventually moved to Rockland, California, um, and that's when I when I found computers. Basically, I was already like very much into arcade games, playing arcade games as much as I could, and then I found uh, the computer at the local uh, college lab in my town when I was eleven. So I went into the lab when I was eleven and taught myself how to code on the computer there. And then went to every store in town and learned how to code. And then I started making games. And I made lots and lots of games, at least 60 games, before I started uh, id Software in 1990. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that was when we became a team and we started making really fun games. And, uh, and we, we, we created the uh, first-person shooter genre with uh, Wolfenstein. And Doom really refined it. Mm -hmm. And then Quake took it to the next level, full 3D internet gameplay, mouse look, you know, like using the mouse to look all around your environment. Mm -hmm. That was Quake. Um, so, yeah, and, and then after I left, uh, after ID, when I left, or sorry, after Quake, when I left ID, started a company called Iron Storm, which eventually produced Deus Ex, mm. which ended up being a pretty pretty great game. And, uh, and, then, and then I went from one new idea to the next one with mobile phone development and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, the really high level story is that when I was a kid, I just wanted to do nothing but make games all day. And I was really lucky enough to just do that. 
Wow. We we try I tried doing that with the Commodore 64 when we were kids. We used to get like a magazine. Uh, it was a little PC magazine. It would have like yeah. it would have the coding pages in there. And but compute. Yeah, yeah it's probably compute. And uh so we'd sit there, my me and my brother and I, and you know, we type in like uh eight, sixteen pages of code to make uh, I don't know, Pong. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. If you had like one digit off, man, that thing was not gonna break <laughs> Forget it. Longer. Or sometimes I wrote a I bunch of games like that. Did you? And I, I think yeah, sometimes published they, in magazines. Sometimes they, uh, I, I think they left something out, like later in an issue. They're like, "Yeah, we we forgot the Q part," and we're like, "That's why that damn thing didn't work." So, what was your first computer? <laughs> the first computer I got was an Apple II Plus computer in uh, 1982. Was mm-hmm. when we got that. I'd been programming for about three years in any store that had a computer. Uh, Radio Shack had TRS-80s, and other places had Atari 800s, and there was one store that had Apple IIs, and I would just go to all of these stores just practicing basic until we finally got one in 82 at the house, and then I was done going outside. <laughs> you were a man on a mission. Now, I think I see yeah. an Apple behind you, don't I? Or what do I see behind you? Yeah, that's an Apple II Plus. So is it that is. your original? first one that's not my original the original one is in a, a museum in new york it's called oh. the strong museum of play mm-hmm. um but uh that is a basically like a it's the same model it's the um it is the apple II plus model mm-hmm. versus the 2e and 2c and the other ones but that's the one i started on the same model did you did you have the parents that were like Hey son, you need to go to school. You need to get a job. You need to go to college. I don't think this gaming thing's going to work out for you. You know, it's like uh, when uh, Led Zeppelin's parents said to him, "You know, this guitar thing, man. I don't think it's really going to go anywhere, make any money." <laughs> did you have those kind of parents, they, or what was that about? They they definitely did not want me going into any kind of game <laughs> stuff. They 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 knew that I that I could code. And they're hoping to steer me into like business programming, mm-hmm. but I love games too much. And, and, uh, you know, like I, I would go to the arcade all the time and they, they told me not to go. And I still went and got my face smashed into an arcade machine when they found oh. me there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I was going to ask, I was going to ask you about <laughs> doom, like, uh, who hurt you? But now I know, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the uh, all the blood and gore in the game. Just, yeah, I I grew up like you did. I think I was probably twelve. I'm assuming I grew up like you did. Let's put it that way. I think I was about twelve when video games came out, and they were arcades. You could go there, and hell yeah, you know. And I lived in Utah, and all the uh, Mormon religious elders were like, "Video games are Satan." And then you make, <laughs> then you create Doom and prove them right. I suppose technically, because there's a lot. What, of what year were you in Utah? What uh, I, I was about 12 or 11. I was in uh, American Park, Utah, which is about uh, 30 oh, wow. miles south of Salt Lake City. It's like moving to... I lived to in a, Salt Lake. Did you? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. It's like moving to <laughs> an even lower part of hell. Do you remember Provo? Uh, you, yeah, or, yeah. I went to, I went to see Dio and Yngwie Malmsteen in Provo. There you go. I went to Dio's. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, in Provo. He came to Provo? God damn, man. Yeah, we're, we're old, my friend. 85, 86. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I, you asked me a question. And I think I answered it. Um, did I? I don't remember. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> my life is flashing before my eyes. You're naming all these uh, references that I'm like. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so I remember going to those. 
So you, you, your uh, parents weren't quite happy with you when you went into the arcade there. Yep, yep. That was it. Was at some point I was banned from the arcade. Was so it just because you were uh, spending too much time, or was there, you know, like for me, it was the, I, the religious elders didn't like it. Oh yeah, no, they just didn't understand games. They didn't know that like that play was my practice for what I was going to do. They didn't. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't. They just saw it as a time waster and a money waster. To yeah. me, it was like the world. You know, it was my my new world. Um, but it sounds like it you had a, a vision. You, it sounds like you had a vision early on for what you wanted to do. You weren't just like playing games. Yeah, I was making them. It was. It's interesting because if you saw me at my computer at home, half the time I was playing games. I was playing them to just like see the techniques, to have fun, but really to see the graphic techniques of getting pixels on the screen. To see what kind of game design ideas these games are, that these games had, and try to come up with my own, and then I would be coding half the time. You know, I'm sitting there mm -hmm. listening to Black Sabbath or Judas Priest or whatever, and I'm sitting there <laughs> coding, you know, an assembly language uh, all day long, <laughs> trying to make games. There you go. Now, the one thing about Doom is there there is a lot of satanic uh, influences there. I know that because I I once studied Satanism after leaving the Mormon Church and and Aleister uh, <laughs> Crowley and different things, nice. and I'm probably going to hell. But I mean, at least that's where all the Dio and cool <laughs> bands will be. Um, so Black Sabbath, you mentioned and stuff like that. Did that maybe yeah. inspire some of the imagery used in the uh, game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I listened to the tons of metal, you know, it was uh -huh. all 80s, 80s, 80s metal, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ozzy, every, everything that you heard in the 80s, I listened to all of it. And, uh, and it was great, you know, I mean, it was in the game, like, <laughs> playing Doom, Doom is about you shooting demons. Yeah. So what's bad about that like <laughs> i don't see anything bad and, and if there's satanic imagery well what do you expect to find in hell that's uh, true that's you know like fitting, it huh? all makes sense right <laughs> yeah Fire He's shooting like, demons there's like pumping guts and lots of blood lots lots of blood spider. yeah 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 it was great so uh you'd made wolfenstein now was wolfenstein a really big hit or did doom just really eclipse that Wolfenstein was massive when it came mm -hmm. out. Um, and it was based on a beloved game that was 10 years older, like until say 11 years prior, mm -hmm. a game called Castle Wolfenstein came out in 81. And it oh, was yeah. a massive hit on 8-bit computers at the time. And we all, it is software, there's only four of us, we played the hell out of that game 10 years <laughs> prior, right? So when we were sitting there um, making... Uh, making you know our games we're making wolfenstein it was like let's make a 3d version of that game and everybody knew holy crap that's amazing and so we did wolfenstein and that game made tons of money like we mm -hmm. made it, it made so much money and like we're we're like <laughs> poor kids right two two of us were from poverty two of us were from like normal backgrounds and and mm -hmm. checks are just coming in Wolfenstein made 250k the first month. It was oh wow, you know, massive. Yeah. So <laughs> we're just like, all right, we're doing the right thing here. <laughs> Keep it going. We, you know, we bought stuff for the fa for our families. We bought cars for people. Yeah, like we're pretty mm -hmm. generous with our with our money. There you go. So I mean, were you guys programming to you know make a hit, or were you just kind of like we're just kind of doing whatever the fuck we want and we enjoy? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. We we're trying to make the best games. And after Wolfenstein, it was like we 
we we wanted to make a new 3D game, like after our side-scrolling uh, arcade, you know, Mario-style games called Command mm-hmm. and Keen. And so when I pivoted us, I said, we need to start making 3D games like like Catacomb 3D, which was a game we had just made. But like, let's use guns and let's make Wolfenstein in 3D. And so we all immediately went, oh my God, that's the right idea. And we all pivoted immediately and defined this new kind of game that we now call a shooter, an FPS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was just to make a really great game. And after Wolfenstein, we made Spear Destiny, which was a prequel to it. Mm-hmm. Then we were gearing up for our next game, which was going to be Doom. And we, at the very, very beginning, we said, this needs to be the best game that we can imagine playing. Wow. Like, what features would go in this game that would make it the best thing that Earth has ever seen? And so we made a list. And one of those things on the list was multiplayer, because no one had played, like, any high-speed yeah. multiplayer game. There, was, yeah. there wasn't any. So Doom was Deathmatch. It was the invention of the word Deathmatch. It was the invention of the gameplay of Deathmatch. Um, Speedrunning started with Doom. Modding games starting with Doom. Oh, yeah. Um, we were licensing the engines to other companies so they could make games using our technology. Uh, it was shareware, free. First first episode, free. The others you can buy if you like them. Um, mm. It was just one thing after another that we just threw all of that in that game. It was crazy. Uh, did you guys have to get funding through anywhere through the process, or what, did it start out with just seed money and sweat equity and mm. on from there? It was all sweat equity. We had no loans for wow. anything in our whole history. Every time we made a game, it if it did well, we would be secure for a while and just make game after game after game until the games just get bigger and bigger and the money comes in and it's bigger and we just keep on putting in the bank and the company account, buy better computers, get into a nicer office, keep on coding, keep on making games. That's what we did. Wow. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate entrepreneur story because entrepreneurs, that's what they do. Usually they, they find something or a problem that, that they can't fix or resolve, or they like doing, they're like, Hey, I can make a better, I don't know, cinnamon bun, right. You know, or, uh, yep. uh, you know, staple or paperclip and they go, Hey, I, I can do this better. This is a piece of shit. I'll make this better. And they do it. And then they're <laughs> like, Hey, people really like this bullshit I'm doing. And, uh, hey, cool. Let them do it too. And uh, that's that's the real proponent of it. And the love of uh, what you do is like so important in being passionate about it. You ever get burned out on playing video games? Not really. I love video. I love games. <laughs> you know, the thing is, there's so many better games nowadays. You know, like you can uh, just live in these games. Yeah. The worlds. What's your favorite game to play right now? I think that would be interesting to people. Jeez. Um, there's a bunch of different kinds of games. Like if I just want to take mm-hmm. time making, you know, like if I just don't want to hurry and speed up through stuff, I'll play like Wordle or I'll play Drop Seven, which are wow. just turn-based games. Uh-huh. Um, really simple, uh, but like I play shooters. I love playing shooters, and uh, I play Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It's a it's a it's a game I've liked for years now. Uh, the yeah. whole Ghost Recon series has been really great. Um, Minecraft was huge. We still have family Minecraft realms running. So we, oh, really? we you know, the wow. kids are, the kids are older now, but we all jump in to play a game. Um, the new Zelda is going to be amazing. I can't wait to play it. I love Breath, mm. of, love Breath of the Wild. Um, but yeah, tons of game, every kind of game. I don't just stick with just shooters. You know, I, mm. I've been playing Stacklands. 
which is a pretty cool card based D and D kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just there's an unlimited amount of games out there. It's just pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, what's it like to sit there and play a first person shooter and be like, I invented this shit. <laughs> I know, isn't it funny? <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I just, I just think about like what they're doing with the form and how they're yeah. changing it. Like, I really love uh, Phantom Pain. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. It's a really, really great game. Um, but yeah, I just like what people are doing with it. Overwatch Two, you name it. I play it and check it out and see what's different about it. And there's mm-hmm. so many splinter genres now. There's like Rainbow Six. You know, with the with the tactical shooters there's mm-hmm. hero shooters leo like uh like uh overwatch 2 um valorant that kind of stuff yeah it's just it's amazing all the different stuff they can do uh and and you know then there's a shooter where uh you build a fucking house to protect yourself from people shooting yeah. you, which uh, I, I played that game and i was like what the fuck is going on and uh i was like <laughs> it's no. great it's a bit it's a popular with the kids so what do you i have rust you play rust <laughs> I haven't played Rust. I've seen the I've seen the videos. There's like a lot of TikTok videos on it, and it's kind of interesting. Yes. I don't know if Destiny uh, was the one who pioneered this, but I, I think they were one of the first to allow people to share their music and social media and video clips. I think online or or encourage it or something. That's pretty cool. And it, I, yeah. I believe it. I believe it led to the the popularity of the game and the blow up of the game. Because I remember back. I think back in the day. They would, uh, you know, they would uh, shut them down on YouTube if you posted a video gameplay because it had the music on it and stuff. I don't know. Uh, I, right. I don't know if that's a true or not. So um, there's some different things that people are going to find out in this book. You create the term deathmatch. You pose as a soldier on the famous cover of Doom. So there yep. you go. Everyone's pretty much seen you and knows you now. Um, and then there's an interesting tidbit here. You became an accidental professional gamer in your own game, and you've lost one time in a one-on-one in 12 years. Is that true? And which game is it? Yeah, it's Doom. And, uh, and a lot of times I, I speak at conferences, and when I go to these conferences, many times they want to do a Doom deathmatch where <laughs> anyone, from the, anyone from the conference will challenge me and sit on the other computer you know, and I, I will deathmatch them. And sometimes, you know, depending on where we're at, they'll just have heavy metal playing while we're just like going crazy deathmatching. And it's just super fun for the whole crowd to just watch this crazy violence, metals blasting, people are <laughs> losing, and someone else jumps in there just like for hours. You know, it's really crazy. This has got to be the ultimate challenge. I've never thought of that. I need to play the master. Yeah, I started, you know, the funny thing, I did that at GDC in 2013 for the first time where uh-huh. I had a row of uh, laptops and I was on the last laptop and any game developer, this is a game development conference, any game developer can come up to a laptop and enter the deathmatch and whoever won out of those, I think it was four four laptops, whoever won would then play me one-to-one on one right after wow. that. And I'm just standing there too. Um, but it was really fun. And then eventually it gets on the stage and there's huge speakers and sound systems and giant video screens and all that. So that's what that's what happens with Doom. It wasn't intentional. It just happened because it got to be a thing that people would request. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of shit talking in, you know, I play a lot of Modern Warfare uh, 2 uh, 
whatchamacallit. There's a lot of shit talking when you kill people and you, you know, you, you lose <laughs> battles and stuff like that. You know, they'll call you like noob or, or, uh, or I mean, well, there's probably a lot of words we can't say on here on air, yeah. but, uh, you know, they'll yeah. call you what's, what's the old the scrub is like a good one. That's a, that seems to piss people off. You ever, uh, be, be playing doom or anything. One of your games with people and you know, they don't know who you are cause you're just over comms and they start <laughs> shit talking you. Like you're just some <laughs> scrub player, and you're just like, I made this fucking that, game. It usually happens in person. If I'm deathmatching people, really? it's usually like in the same room. Wow, and uh, and they know it, you know. And like back in the day, I would scream. I still do. Like I played Quake deathmatch with people at the office, and uh-huh. uh, and just I say so much stuff that it gets written on a chair we call the swear chair oh so all the stupid stuff that i say gets written down on this chair it's covered in horrible things (laughs) but uh, i remember like i was playing and i was just screaming and and my son was at the office and uh and he was he was playing and he had his headset on and people could hear me screaming (laughs) and and they basically wanted to like have an intervention just like dude are you okay like you know, it sounds like at home you got some like problems going on. Like you have like a, a you know a problem with your home life, and he's like, "Oh no, no, that's my that's my stepdad. He's just that death matching. He's screaming <laughs> at somebody." <laughs> he made fucking doom. Uh, yeah. The the uh, and and maybe you invented that genre of shit talking. I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's there's a lot of shit talking that goes on in in the thing. I mean, people just rage, man. They just oh, yeah, like yeah. they do that in hockey, sports. That's true. People I guess were, sports. Were, yeah, there's trash like talking in sports for decades or a hundred years. Yeah. I guess Muhammad Ali used to shit talk too. So I mean, yeah, it's, that's right. It's kind of a, it's kind of a man thing. <laughs> it's endemic to sports. <laughs> there you go. And uh, one thing that's interesting about people is uh, you're known for your long hair, uh, but it's connected to your heritage. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, on both sides of my family. On on my father's side, I'm Yaki from the Yaki tribe in in Arizona, and before that, the Aztecs. And on my mother's side, my um, great-grandmother was full Cherokee. And so I I have this uh, from both sides. And I grew up Mexican in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, in the barrio, and you know everyone was speaking Spanglish, and there was Mexican food all day, and um, oh, and and right new, near us, like five minute, not not even a five minute drive, is the Yaqui Reservation, and uh, you know we would go there all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the most influential, influential, influential nice indigenous. <laughs> I was mixing indigenous and influential, evidently. Uh, it's been one of those days. Influential, indigenous, and Latino technologists uh, and game developers. So that's a nice honor to have. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't plan it. Um, 
it just uh, ended up, you know, it's amazing. I, I am more like, I'm very proud of my uh, indigenous heritage and, you know, now more than ever, uh, people are paying attention to it. And they, they, um, you know, when I was a kid, I wish I had seen somebody like me to in the, in the game industry or whatever to look up to. So, um, you know, it's, it's good. I, I've, I've heard stories of, of kids who, who, really found courage because they saw that I had gone there before them into game development and it kind of gave them the courage to jump into it and, and see what it was like. So that, that leads um, me to my next question yeah. I had for you. You you probably inspired tens of thousands, maybe, I don't know, millions of game developers. I mean, there's, there's so many game developers it takes to code a game now, especially a, a big one, you know, uh, it, I mean, would it take destiny 10 years to be made or something like that? I know the, that's I know weird. there's yeah. just crazy amount of, of, you know, stuff that's on call of duty and, and, uh, so you probably inspire a lot of people, man, to get into the business and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's really kind of you to say that and it, and it's, um, and it is, I mean, I was inspired by my programming heroes just to see what they did and just like, that's possible. I should be able to do that. If someone else can do it, why can't I, you know, that was always my, that was always my thought process around it. And, and, you know, I think this book is really great about showing people that they can do it. They can do what they want to do. If I can do it, anyone can, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like this is, <laughs> it's not difficult, but you just need the time and the focus to do it, but anyone can. And I think the book is good about really relating um, to people, uh, you know, what, it, what I went through to, to get to where I'm at, to make the games I want. Uh, wanted to make and um and so you know there was that there's also just the idea that um we've always as, as a company when we were making these games making doom and wolfenstein we were very into giving people information that they needed if they need technical information about programming anything mm -hmm. we gave them that information and eventually we put our source code out on the internet for everyone to see how we wrote doom like here's our doom source code wow. go through it and learn you know um, we opened our games up so people could modify them and have fun creating in our game to make it look like something completely different. Whatever they were, whatever they could dream up, they can use our game as a basis to do that. So they didn't need to learn how to, how to program or, you know, how to how to create technology. They just could have the ideas and easily make those things happen through level design and creating new sound effects and stuff like that. That was a lot easier than programming. So modding was a was a big part of what we did to help people create and basically get into the game industry. I think I did modding on, on the game and stuff like that. Eventually, uh, there was like different mods you could like download off of boards or something like that. Uh, what was it like to see doom get kind of reinvented like on mobile? I remember some guy ported to Marvel or some, something happened and, and I guess the, the basic, you know, doom, game was small enough to you know make it on the mobile devices and uh what was it like to see kind of the re the resurgence and the and the you know it's kind of like one of those bands like black sabbath or something where you know you have the old music and then the new generation finds it and goes fuck yeah and then it's yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you know luckily we did make the game moddable because it never went away because of the mods like yeah that community is so strong it's been 30 years, which is really incredible. Um, but yeah, the Doom community is basically the best community out there. It 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 it's just incredible 
and the resurgence of the new dooms you know starting with the 2016 reinvention of doom for modern audiences on consoles and pcs was huge and then doom eternal coming out after that a few years after that was really huge right massive Mm -hmm. and doom is so small nowadays with with (laughs) computing power and the source that we put out there that doom runs on a pregnancy stick holy crap (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you can check and see you're pregnant too. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, inside your PC, there's a there's a cooler on top of your chip to keep it cool. Yeah, those coolers now come with screens, and now Doom runs on a cooler chip screen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still popular than ever. I mean, you can order it on. You can order all the different versions on Steam. I remember when Doom Two came yeah. out. I was really excited about that. That was awesome. And uh, yeah. yeah, dude, I played the shit out of that game. I was obsessed with it. <laughs> And uh, I probably should have been working on my companies, but it was such a great relief. Um, but I, there was some, some, I played it for a couple of years. And then one day I just started getting sick from the fight or flight chemicals bumping, being, yeah, yeah. My stomach, and I would have to stop for a while. And I'm like, holy shit, what is it? What, what do I have to do? And then I started drinking that fixed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. one thing. One thing we want to talk about is recently you did something for Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, t- tell us about uh, this project for, that helps the Ukraine relief funds. Yeah, so um, I made a I made a new episode of Doom in 2018 and mm-hmm. shipped it in 2019. So mm-hmm. it's episode five. Uh, after 25 years, I finally made another set of Doom levels, and and people really liked it. It was called Sigil. Mm-hmm. And then people were expecting me to make the next version of, of Doom, uh, which would say Doom 2, a new Doom 2 release. So mm-hmm. as I started working on that, uh, the first, you know, one of the, one of the levels that I made for the Doom 2 release, I, uh, you know, when the attack happened, when Russia attacked and, uh, and they, you know, Ukraine really needed people's, you know, been needed relief. And I had actually spoken in kiev before and just love love the ukrainian people um met lots of great people there um, and i wanted to just do something to help them out um we decided to take that level out of sigil 2 and to release it and mm-hmm. uh, to release this level out there to raise money for ukraine uh, red cross relief and uh and so yeah we raised over 40k uh with the level that we just put out there for that that is awesome I mean, it's just such a great thing. That's the other wonderful thing about being an entrepreneur. You can work on what you're passionate about, build what you love, and if you build something great, you know, other people will love it, and then uh, and then you can give back. So that's one of the beautiful things yeah. about success in that format. You know, it, and it's funny too. I mean, you're probably help, uh, help responsible for uh, gaming competition, uh, e gaming. Uh, I remember, you know. My parents uh, used to tell us, and of course uh, other kids, they'd be like, "Hey, yeah, this gaming's never—you're never going to be able to job and get paid doing this crap. So uh, quit doing all this gaming." And then, like, e-gaming came up. And parents were like, "Oh shit!" That, that yeah, <laughs> esports. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, our games were the first games used in esports. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, beginning with Doom, when mm-hmm. Doom came out. While we're making Doom 2, there were uh, deathmatch tournaments taking place with prizes and everything. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so there were several several conventions start around Doom 2. And then when Quake came out, that transformed everything because now it's over the internet. It's full 3D. The game is more intense. 
And that really, like esports is all about really intense gameplay and Quake delivered that. So esports really took off with Quake. And then with the success of our game and our licensing strategy of our engine, that's where we get uh, Counter-Strike, right? Because Counter-Strike was a mod of Mm Half-Life. Half-Life was made from the Quake tech. So Counter-Strike comes out. That becomes a major esports title for a long time before League of Legends ever came around. So mm-hmm. Counter-Strike was like the de facto esports title before League of Legends came out. And it was huge. And that's what really propelled esports um, beyond our, our first games that started esports. Um, yeah, but our, yeah. because Quick was so moddable, you could do a ton of stuff that esports tournaments require, like those new camera positions, being able to follow players and all those cool things that you see in, in football on TV. Mm-hmm. You could do that with Quake. And that's mm-hmm. what really started making esports more like like real sports, you know. Yeah, it, it's. Do you get into VR at all? I think we talked about that in the green room. What's your thoughts on VR? Does it excite you or motivate you at all? Yeah, VR. See, the way I look at VR is it's a console like an Xbox, like mm-hmm. a PS Five. It's just a different way of playing games that are different than the usual. So, when a game has been designed specifically for VR, it is excellent in VR. And it's really effective, you know. Like if you've played um, Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, like mm-hmm. that game is so mm-hmm. scary when you're in it and you're walking slowly through a derelict mansion in the dark. <laughs> it's it's terrifying in VR. It's everything around you is that whole environment, and it's like it's nuts. So it is. It's really intense, and uh, and so yeah, VR can really deliver uh, a different environment than what you're used to on a flat screen um, there you go but yeah yeah it's a and this new, is, it's, a, it's another console this is kind of interesting too because apple today is evidently launching and i'm i'm seeing the pictures go by here so evidently they did do it because it's been you know it's been rumored every year and every year that doesn't show up <laughs> but it looks like they did finally do it so. uh yeah so it looks like they've launched some sort of thing i can't really spend the time looking at it but live they're uh doing the the WWDC 23, for those of you watching 10 years from now, they're doing that uh, live right now, and it looks like they have launched it. So it's, what do you think? Do you think Apple can break through? I mean, VR has kind of struggled. You know, there's Oculus and stuff like that. Do you think, uh, you know, you're an Apple fan. You begin on that. Do you think yeah, that Apple Yeah, I'm a huge, can, huge Apple fan. Can, uh, can Apple make this the, the you know, it, it does that with everything. It did that with podcasts. The podcasting was almost dead. Yeah. And then suddenly they stepped in and I was like, why are people downloading the podcast? What's going on? <laughs> we haven't put in new episodes up for like a year or two. What the fuck is going on? And Apple's like, ah, yeah, we fucking decided to do whatever we wanted. Um, do you think they can uh, punch through? Can they make uh, can they make these things uh, where everyone wants one now? I'm, I'm not sure. I, you know, I hope so. You know, um, Apple has been thinking about a solution to this. You know, they introduced AR kit years ago mm-hmm. and they knew that AR was actually going to be the clear winner in, in like the mixed reality uh, technology race. And so they, they did, they, they released a, a, an AR kit and this, this headset that they're releasing is also an AR style kit. And, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see. I'm really, I'm really, inter- I can't wait to watch the videos because I haven't seen anything about the release. But what I know is that the front of the VR type, that even though you can see through it, 
you can inside you can see your world with AR overlaid on it. Oh, yeah. When you're looking at someone wearing it, there's a face projection on the outside. So there's a screen on the outside to show your eyes and everything. Oh really? <laughs> wow. That's what I heard. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna get one so that when I'm looking at people that I really hate or that ugly, uh they'll it'll change their <laughs> face. We call it beer goggles. I think that's <laughs> yeah. maybe that'll become popular. But no that's uh, a good mod, yeah. How, how so if uh, Apple does kick ass at this, how pissed off do you think Mark Zuckerberg will be? <laughs> well, you know, as a as a business leader, I think he'll pivot pretty quickly. Yeah, he'll, he'll, <laughs> if, it, if it's successful. Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, he should be able to keep yeah. affording at least two cars in a garage. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, but you know, it, Apple's kind of really good at that, where they're you know the pioneer gets all the arrows. So they just kind of sat back and watched Mark and the Oculus and, and all the other stuff yeah. and, and the metaverse, uh, which seems to be kind of a failure. And uh, they just kind of hopefully went, well, maybe we can do something better. And plus they have such a, such a rabid fan base of people that love their products. And then there's probably one yeah, more service you have to pay for every month now on top of the other maybe. 500 that they offer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think they they recently um, introduced Oculus Three as well, like the Meta Meta Three. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a new thing out. Apple now is putting their thing out. I I still am not sure. Like internally at Apple, there was a lot of contention about whether they should even go in this direction or not. So mm-hmm. it's not like Apple's fully one hundred percent behind it. So it's kind of a look and see kind of situation mm-hmm. with this. And I think it's still going to be expensive. I didn't see any prices yet, but I think it's supposed to be expensive, from what I understand. And that might be the still the console. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you have to you have to look at it and be like, which of the kids do we sell so that we can uh, get this? <laughs> yeah, so there you Sit go. Sit in VR all day. <laughs> there you go. Well, we could top shop all day long. And uh, thank you for uh, ruining my life. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> I probably I was supposed to write a book ten years ago, and it took me ten years to write it. And part of it was because I got hooked on Destiny and uh, console games. All right, and, good uh, job. I think now <laughs> on Call of Duty Modern Warfare, I'm somewhere around. Uh, let's see, I'm pathetically at one thousand one hundred ninety three point nine hours on Modern Warfare Two. Wow. So I nice. have some issues. Well, I'm, I'm single. I don't have wife and kids because I, I can only afford to play video games pretty much. Uh, but video <laughs> games never divorce me and take half my shit. So that's, that's right. I'm with that. uh, so <laughs> lastly, what do you what do you hope people come away from in your book? What do you hope you accomplish? Um, really, that people see it as a positive book, mm-hmm. you know, that that uh, they see that um People, people can see that they can do it because it's like it's a blueprint for how to do this. It's like, here's all the steps. No matter where anyone comes from, they can follow those steps and, uh, and, and do the same thing. You know, if they want to, if they have a dream, they can achieve it. Yeah. And they can see that, like, really what it just takes is focus and determination. And, uh, you know, for people that, that really care about game history, I really put down everything that I could remember about those games. So, um, Maybe that'll help somebody in their path. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, it's just a lot of gratitude for everything that I was able to experience during that time. And uh, I think people will come, come, come through uh, reading the book with like, wow, there's a lot of uh, reflection on how I could have done things better and what I did wrong. And um, 
but yeah, lots of gratitude. I wanted to make games all my life, and I got to do that, and it's just been great. There you go. What a life, man. You do what you love. You build what you love. You give back. Uh, I think it's inspiring. It's a great story for just any entrepreneur, too, as well. Uh, has anyone ever done like a, a, a genealogy uh, pedigraph or pedigree, I think they call them, where they show you know which games were inspired or came out of engines of other games in like a giant pedigree? thing someone should do that yeah there is there is one for uh for the quake engine there's a really oh, yeah? there's a pretty great one for quake there's so many games you know coming out of that mm -hmm. um but yeah there's i don't know if there's a full all of id software's mm -hmm. impact you know like the the doom games and then the quake games there is a quake one but but not the not the other ones but uh yeah you never know maybe someone go. will do that I remember sitting in the Atari when I was like 10 or 11 years old. My parents couldn't afford it. We, they could afford a Commodore. Uh, but uh, uh, my friends had an Atari because I guess their parents were ultra rich or something. And that Pong thing was so <laughs> great. We were just like, fucking Pong. And even now it's kind of yeah. fun. So there you go. So I'm probably going to play some Doom <laughs> after this and buy some of the games off the thing. So you've inspired me. And awesome. uh, go back to my original. I <laughs> I, there was no game I played like that before, and of course, clearly, I'm still playing those sort of games. But uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, John. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It's really, I really appreciate the support, and uh, yeah, it's really great. There you go. Uh, give us your dot coms wherever you want people to find you on the internet, please. Romero.com. Uh, that's that's where you can get all kinds of cool merch, um, and uh, RomeroGames.com, which is our game company. There you go. Uh, check it out, folks. Wherever fine books are sold, it comes out July 18th, 2023. Doom Guy, life in first person. It's been wonderful to have him on uh, and meet the guy who, uh, God, what was that, the 90s? How old was I? My 20s or something? Yeah, it was 93 when Doom came out. <laughs> I'm 55 now, so wow. But uh, you know what? Yeah. A man, whatever a man does, I can't get the quote right off my top of my head, but whatever a man does, that he enjoys in life is not taken away from the quality of his life. So there you go. It's kind of like fishing. I think it's a fishing quote. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.